Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. Coming up later, Clark Stinks, where you get to hear what others have posted where you might disagree with me, feel like I've given bad advice, or you think I'm just plain wrong, and that's coming up for you. So there's an amazing set of events that have happened because of the tragic coronavirus. And I've talked recently about what it's doing to the travel industry, what it's done to gasoline prices, so many areas outside of the tragic illnesses and losses of life that are also factors as a result. And one of them is that mortgage rates have dropped significantly. And there's some very unusual patterns right now that affect you as some of you might refi. Normally, there's a very large spread between 30-year loans and 15-year loans. But right now, that spread is quite small. Spread between the two is about a quarter of a point or three-eighths of a point. Very, very low. So historically, I've said, anytime somebody calls me about doing a refinance, I say, well, have you thought about doing a 15-year refi? Because you're going to save this much in interest rate and you'll be out of debt in half the time, blah, blah, blah. And right now, because of the unusual reaction to the money markets to the coronavirus, what happened is the 30-year loan rate got squeezed down, 15-year loan rates not so much. So you're going to find that the rates available on 30-year for borrowers with really great credit are probably somewhere right around 3.5% more or less, depending on local market conditions. And that's really outstanding. Again, that's for people with uh, credit scores in the mid-700s or above. 15-year loans right now, about uh, 3 and an A, 3 and a quarter right in there. So not that huge, huge gap that I'm used to between the two of those. But there is an opportunity right now for people, if your rates are north of 4% and you have a good credit score, there's an opportunity for you to refi into a new 30-year loan or even now with the spread not as great into a 15-year because you're still getting a lower rate and you're getting out of debt so much quicker. Particularly if you've been in your loan for several years, and let's say you've got 24 years left on your loan, you refi into a new 30-year, you've now added six more years of debt into your life and massive amounts more interest over the life of the loan. So that's why I remain a real fan of the 15-year, even though I only have half of the argument really working for me. Now, there are a lot of economists who believe that the rates dropping just before the kickoff of the spring home buying season could actually inflate prices, that it could bring more people off the sidelines who will want to take advantage of the lower rates 
and that will create additional demand in the housing market, and we'll just have to wait and see if that's how that plays out. Christy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Christy. Hi, Clark. I had a question for you on the 403B plans that you keep discussing on all your podcasts. Um, I am employed with a university hospital that offers these plans, but I'm not sure if mines are different than the ones you talk about because the plan is not with one of those, um, what's that, healthcare? Um, one of the hideous insurance companies. Correct, correct, yes. It's actually with one of the investment groups that you highly recommend um, and what who's I it with noticed, go, go ahead and name them oh, okay uh, with fidelity okay so you have a fidelity 403b plan so does everybody mm-hmm. at your hospital system use fidelity for the 403b no so we get a couple different options okay and, and I you chose, chose fidelity. fidelity but you only have a couple of options all right correct fidelity will disclose to you fully what costs you're paying mm-hmm. have they have they done that is that pretty clear to you or do you need to ask for it no so it says that there's a 0.65 percent expense ratio okay and that's that's uh not horrible that's that's in the realm that would be okay are there other expenses you have to pay though any insurance type costs you have to pay in addition to the 0.65 no and what um my employer does is they give us they contribute six percent um and then they match 1.5 to 1.5 percent to every percent we contribute up to two percent so basically i contribute two percent and they contribute nine percent that's fantastic i'd like you um, the costs are low enough unless you're in a position to put additional money in a Roth IRA. I'd like you gradually to increase the amount you're contributing to that Fidelity 403B. I didn't just get stricken down by lightning, did I? Because, you know, compared to what I read and hear about 403B plans, those mm-hmm. costs, if that's really all in 065 that's mm-hmm. low enough that it's efficient for you to use that as a way to save for retirement. Okay, because I do max out my Roth IRA. Oh, great. But All right. I, I do have additional money, so I didn't know whether to put more into my 403B yes. if they were as bad as you said they yeah, were. Yeah, do more, do more into that 403B. Okay. Unless you find out, and I'd make a call to Fidelity just to make sure that the 0.65 is total there's no other fees oh by the way you're playing the paying this plan charge of another one percent or whatever if you find out anything like that you would not want to add to it but if it really is in total the 0.65 then it would be great for you to increase your participation in the plan all right thank you clark and do you know how long it's been since i've had anyone call me with a 403b scenario that I that I didn't get all crazy about it, you know, in a bad way. <laughs> well, I, I actually called Fidelity right before I went 
online with, well, right before I'm going online with you, and I asked them if there are any other expenses, and they told me no. Okay. I I did the work before going on there. Then this is great and good for you doing the research and homework, so you can breathe easy contributing to that 403B because there are rare exceptions, and you got one there. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. So exception to every rule, right? Now, let me let me add an annex to this. If you hear this and you hear, oh, you know, that Christie's got these fidelity funds or money's going into, let me draw a clear distinction for you with the difference. A lot of times, a 403B plan will be administered by one of these ultra high cost insurance companies. And in there, they'll have investing choices that may be from one of the good companies, you know, Vanguard, Fidelity, something like that. But you're still paying massive costs because they're charging you not just what the expenses are on the funds, but then they're charging you these gigantic commissions and expenses for having them handle the 403B for you. So just because you say, oh, I'm fine, mine has Fidelity in it, or I'm fine, mine has Vanguard in it, not necessarily at all. You got to know the whole picture. Edward's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Edward. Hello, Clark. Pleasure to talk to you. Great to have you here, Edward. What's up? Oh, I was uh, just wanted to ask you. Uh, it's time for us to file our taxes. Uh, me and my wife, and we have pretty good income, and uh, but we have no deductions. And we own a modest house, so it always seems like we're having to pay a little bit into uh, into our federal taxes. This year looks like we might have to pay more. But my question was, is there really any tax advantage to being married? It almost seems as if it'd be better for us to file single. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's such an interesting question. So you could game this by using tax software and just put in both of you separately and say you're single just to answer the curiosity. But what most often people would do as a married couple is you'd run the calculation, married filing separately and then married filing jointly, and see which gives you the best overall tax bill. Have you yeah. ever have you ever tried to game it and see what happens if you said you were both single? Um, I've just ran the numbers, but I've never, obviously, I've never filed that. <laughs> I don't want any issues. <laughs> no, I understand that. I just mean the scenario. And was it cheaper? Uh, uh, to be single? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. We actually would have had some money come back, both of us, but <laughs> not not this year. <laughs> well, that is unfortunate. I think about how many senior citizens now don't get married because it'll hurt them in certain scenarios so much with social security as an example so the tax code is supposedly designed to encourage people to get married but it doesn't always work out that way but i'm looking at the um the single rates and the married rates and it comes out when i'm looking at the rates now that the taxes should be the same for, I never had looked at this. It should be the same for two single individuals adding their money together versus those two single individuals adding their money together as married. I I don't know if I said that right. The tax due 
to each of you if you declared single should be identical to what it would be with the two of you being married. Based on what I'm looking at at the new brackets, the new tax tables. So I, I think that that may have happened in the past, but looking at current tax brackets, I don't think that would be true. So let me give you an example. What kind of family income do you have? Um, about 155000 Okay. So I can look, I'm looking at when tax rates switch from 22% to 24%, which gets somewhat in the vicinity you are. And for somebody making $85,000 a year as a single individual, the tax is 24%. Somebody making uh, almost exactly double that, 171 and change, is also 24% for a married couple. So I think that that you've seen in the past has been, for the most part, balanced out. Hard to believe, huh? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it is a, uh, not, not, I don't know, it's not fun at the end of the year, but it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and paying in a little bit of money is actually better than getting a refund because you're not making an interest-free loan to the IRS as long as you're not underpaying enough that you're subject to penalties for underpayment, it's better to write them a little check than to wait for a check back from the IRS. It's time for Clark.com slash ask. That's where you post a question for me, and we answer them many ways, including having producer Joel ask your question for you. Clark, we got one from Curtis, and he says, if I retire before I'm 70, but I wait until I'm 70 to start collecting Social Security, don't those years with lower income adversely affect the calculation for my disbursement? Wonderful question. So the way Social Security is figured is it's your highest 35 years. So if you're in your 60s, you probably worked plenty of years to get 35 together. So if you retire before you start taking money, those years that you're not earning in your 60s just don't even figure into the equation. It would be the same calculation as it would be otherwise. You won't get hurt. All right. And Logan says, I own five rental properties in Central California. These are single family residences built between 2004 and 2007. And I have them managed by a local property management company. But do you have thoughts? Okay. Wait, wait, wait. You got to be brilliant. You <laughs> bought all these during the bust and they're not even old properties. So they don't have a lot of things that have already worn out on them. Yeah. Sounds like Logan bought at the right time for sure. Wow. So, but he wants to know about preventative maintenance and when he should, any tips that you have, Clark? on how you should go about maintaining these residences and specifically something like a roof inspection. How often should something like that be done too? So roof inspection, the roofs hopefully were constructed in a way that you'll get um, close to 30 years use out, the, out of them. So hopefully you got some real clock time to run before even the first roof would be at a point that you're having real problems. Usually it manifests itself where you'll see uh, a stain on the ceiling on the highest floor in a property and then you'll know oops i got a leak going on i got to go deal with it it's usually a, a reactive thing instead of active but for other things every time you turn over a tenant you want to check make sure filters are up to date that systems are good i think it's good to have an evaluation of your uh, heating and air conditioning system at turnover of a tenant and since you got five properties, 
set some money aside every month from those properties for maintenance. Um, things go wrong, as you know. Tenants can be tough on a place, and you got to have some money when something does go wrong with a minor or a major system in the house. And I'm just so excited for you. The revenue stream you have has got to be so great for you for your long-term future. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off, especially me. And, you know, that's why we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. There's something you hear out of my mouth that you're like, Clark, what are you thinking? Go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and post where you feel I missed the mark or it was just wrong. And other people can read what you post. They can agree, disagree, whatever. And then weekly, producer Krista goes through your posts and shares highlights with you right here on the show. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. As a listener and a fellow cheapskate, I normally agree with and enjoy your advice, but your answer when you recently spoke to a caller that wanted to save on the cost of serving alcohol for a wedding reception was very stinky. You mentioned that the caller should stay away from the craft beer due to the higher cost, but did you know that many craft breweries and craft beer pubs will loan a jockey box, beer taps, and a cooler if you purchase a small keg of beer? Purchasing beer in kegs is much cheaper than bottles or cans of domestic beers, and you cut down on waste as well. Plus, you will appease your guests by having much fancier options, at, much tastier options at the reception. Thanks for all you do, Megan. Or it could have been Joel, but it was Megan. <laughs> Megan, I really appreciate that suggestion. I don't know much about alcoholic beverages, and that is a great thought, and I appreciate it. Clark, you stink a little with your change on minimum wage. I live in Oregon, and we are one of the states that's raised the minimum wage. Right now, it's at thirteen twenty-five, and will rise to fifteen plus colas in the years to come. The ideal is good, but how is it? How it's implemented here is very wrong. There is only the minimum wage, nothing else. There needs to be a training wage. So, as a business owner right now in Oregon, when you hire someone with absolutely no skills, you have to pay them the new higher minimum wage unskilled people who need to be taught how to work or do a series of tasks in the course of their work do not deserve the new higher wage. A training wage with pay rate steps based on hours worked needs to be in place. Keep up the good work, Doug J. Thank you, Doug. And this is one is you're right. I have migrated my thinking over time because as someone with such heavy libertarian leanings, I have not for a long time believed in the idea of a minimum wage. I've always believed in the marketplace setting wages. And I've changed my thinking over the years and now understand the whole idea of why we have a minimum wage and why it's been increasing in a majority of the nation states. And your idea of a training wage I think is a great idea that if it's limited to 90 days or some time period like that so that somebody who has no experience ramps up knowledge and becomes an employee who's contributing to profit 
I think that's a reasonable expectation in the marketplace. Clark doesn't just stink. Now he's aiding and abetting crooks, liars, and thieves. With his long-format, unpaid commercial for Ring, he did a huge disservice to all the folks that depend on him for real and true information on things like this. And they link to the story about Ring and third-party trackers and yeah. Ring systems. Chris. Chris, thank you. And and I brought that up recently on the show about how terrible it is that Amazon is taking that data and sharing it with other people. You know, when you give up your currency of trust, it's hard to ever regain that currency of trust. And Amazon, from time to time, because they're really freewheeling, engages in behavior that undermines their brand. And doing this with Ring is out of line. Uh, when I was talking about the security system, I was talking about it as the best choice for me for my home. And it has worked out really well for me, but Ring violating people's privacy, Amazon violating people's pri privacy is just flat out wrong. There's no gray to it. Clark, I chuckled at my desk as you sang the praises of the privacy-respecting British government will overlook the CCTV in London before doing a 180 and talking about how Fitness Bank is a great idea. Quickly poking around their site, I don't see a privacy policy listed. You blast sites like YouTube for tracking folks and having a long lawyer speak privacy policy. I'm not really seeing how providing a free service like YouTube is nefarious evil, a nefarious evil endeavor, yet tracking your customers' locations in exchange for a higher APY is A-OK. -okay. Your views on privacy seem to constantly contradict each other. I love the podcast and appreciate your advice, but in general, your privacy advice stinks. Jeff. Jeff, thank you. And I'm guilty as charged here. Privacy is such a hard, hard thing to get right. And I, like anyone else who addresses issues concerning privacy, I'm inconsistent. And that is true. I mean, you know, the thing with the bank is you get 2.2% on your money and people would like to get 2.2. So if you're really fit, they give you the higher rate. It's a gimmick. And then you've got your privacy violated. So this kind of fits a category that confuses people completely. So when I talk about gift cards, and I say, gift cards are terrible, don't buy gift cards. And then I'll talk about a great deal on a gift card where you got 20% extra with your money. So the thing is, you have to judge what you gain versus the risk involved in anything. And so that's why you hear me talk about certain topics like privacy as a moving, confusing target. Although I think you gave some valid advice to the gentleman whose homeowners association was about to enter into a 10-year contract for TV and internet service, some glaring omissions make you extra smelly. While signs help, nothing beats actually reading your homeowners association agreement. The board's powers may be limited to things like landscaping and snow removal. In addition, many agreements only bind the original property owners and not a subsequent purchasing homeowners. A well-worded letter to the board with a copy to all the homeowner members does more good. Jill. Jill, I appreciate that. You know, one thing that's missing from condominium and homeowners association law around the United States 
is there's no real provision for an independent judiciary. A board is potentially all-powerful, and boards will do things that are in violation of the documents for that association, either condo or homeowners. In some states, homeowners are given very little latitude to fight back against a board. But one thing you mentioned that is so important is prevention is the best cure. And when you know that a board is about to take an action that is not permitted under the documents, that is something that you do bring forward early. And I've served on several homeowners association and condo boards over the years. And a lot of times we are operating as board members without sufficient knowledge about what our responsibilities are limited by, like you were describing, and having somebody in a timely basis say, you know, you might want to do this and you might have the votes to do it, but this is why you can't do it is valuable. Your claim about three-year-old luxury European cars being available in the mid-teens is way off. I cannot find any three-year-old luxury European car for less than the mid-20s, Robert. Robert, thank you. So you may be in an ultra-white-collar zip code. When you're looking for a deal on European luxury cars, look in zip codes within 200 miles of you that are areas that are not maybe as highly uh, as many college graduates in your area. I'm trying to figure out how to say that. Um, So you want to be in an area for your search wider than within 25 or 50 miles of where you live to find where the deals may be on a three-year-old European luxury car. Now, what you're usually going to get, it'll be a luxury nameplate, but it'll be one of their, what are referred to in the trade as near luxury models. I thought I just passed a garbage dump when you were speaking to a gentleman about financing a franchise business. You told him that a bank will not want to finance a a startup. You're so wrong on this statement. I'm a commercial lender with a community bank. There are so many banks that specialize in this sort of lending. We utilize guarantees by the Small Business Association. This allows someone just like your caller to obtain funding to start up their franchise with a modest equity injection and reasonable interest rates so that payments are manageable. Granted, many of the giant monster mega banks would not be interested in this sort of financing. Love your show and listen to it every morning. Your friendly community banker, Mike. Mike, thank you. And SBA loans are something that a number of local community banks and credit unions do, in fact, offer to people starting small businesses. And it's my fail for not mentioning that. And I'd like to mention SCORE right now, the Service Corps of Retired Executives, which are volunteers that assist people that are trying to start their own business. Most of what a local SCORE chapter does is free, and they are extremely knowledgeable about local resources and financial institutions that can help you with an SBA loan. Hi, Clark. I hate to say you stink because of what you believe in, but this one does. You keep preaching to freeze your credit with the three major credit bureaus, but it's kind of an oxymoron. How can you trust these three by trusting them to protect you when they could be hacked, which has happened? Bob. Bob, thank you. You know, the reality is our personal information, our social security numbers, our address, things like that, 
get hacked almost always outside of the walls of the three major credit bureaus. That's why the gross negligence of Equifax was such a huge event in the country's modern history, and it was such an unusual thing because it's normally uh, everyday kind of things, especially doctor's offices and medical facilities that account for breaches of social security numbers and other personal identifying information like address and birthday, phone number, or you name it. And so freezing your credit protects you from somebody applying for credit as if they're you. And so we can't think of Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian as being protective as Fort Knox, but we need to have a certain level of trust that the Equifax kind of uh, just absolutely ridiculous negligence will not happen again at one of the three major credit bureaus, but these breaches will routinely happen through our daily lives. Okay, and finally, Tessa and Luke's dad, listen up. Your kids wrote in to Clark Stinks. Clark, we think Clark Stinks because our dad makes us listen to him. If you do a segment about softball, it would be more interesting. (laughs) So baseball was the one sport that I was terrible at as a kid. So for me to comment about baseball or softball is something that um, would just be beyond my scope of knowledge or abilities. And I'm sorry that your family practices child abuse by making you listen to me. I appreciate all your comments. Please go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and let me know when you feel I've missed the mark. Barry is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Barry. How you doing? Good, Clark. How are you today? Great. So this is one of those situations that you make people green with envy You've got surplus money, and you're trying to figure out what's the best move. Well, my concern is I've had several friends and family members that have been told either not to pay off off their mortgage, or in some cases, one friend of mine, a co-worker, had seven years left on his mortgage, and he was told to refinance it (gasps) because they need need a (gasps) write-off. And to me, I've always felt, (gasps) and still do, that you never get more from the write-off than you you will in paying interest. You'll always pay more interest on the mortgage than you can deduct. It's not a tax Please credit. tell me it's that friend deduction. did not do that, did not can seven, the seven years left and do the refi, because I'm having trouble getting deep breaths here. I'm doing my best yoga concentrating, trying to I get some deep breaths. I've heard it from breaths. so many people. It's, it's ridiculous. And to me, the, the best thing you can do is to have no debt. Yeah, so Why I'm a big believer in no debt, but, but let's go back to the whole mortgage interest deduction. Almost nobody, particularly with the much larger standard deduction we have now, almost no one benefits from the mortgage interest deduction. I mean, you really have to have an annual income in the 300s or above, and you have to have a massive mortgage balance with very high interest payments for it to even begin to make sense to run a mortgage as a way supposedly to save on tax. So that is a false thing that a lot of people still believe. And being mortgage debt-free is not always the right answer, but purposely carrying mortgage debt, except for a tiny number of people, 
makes no sense either. What's your situation so I can know best what guidance to give? Well, actually, my situation is I'm, I, uh, I rent, so I don't have a mortgage or anything like that. But oh. I, my sister-in-law is currently in a situation where she is possibly going to pay off uh, her mortgage. But again, her tax accountant said not to because they need a deduction. Does she like, make no, a, does she make a ton of money? <laughs> no. Yes, uh, I, I hate to there's, disagree there's with that. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're below the 300000 mark. Okay. <laughs> Still decent money. Um, I hate to disagree with an accountant without seeing her exact situation, but as a general rule, I would prefer if she has decent available money for emergencies and she's saving money for her future as she should, that if she's got idle cash earning not a whole lot, being mortgage debt-free is important, obviously, psychologically, but it's also potentially advantageous financially. And well, also, she's, she's uh, getting ready to retire fairly soon. If she's got a lot of idle cash, then, uh, and you can't eat your house, you know, paying it off if you have no money exactly. to live on. But if she still has money to live on and she can live in retirement with no mortgage payments, that seems like a really good idea to me for her to be mortgage debt free. So uh, that, I was talking about it with her last week, and I said, you know what? I said, I always listen to Clark Howard. I'm going to call the show and find out exactly what should be done here. And if you want her to call me and go over her specifics, her exact numbers with me on the show, I'll be happy to do that. And then I can give her laser-focused advice on her own mortgage. So that is a possibility, too. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.